We started last week uh, explaining about Livingstones, who we are, and, and what we're about, or who we're about. Answer the question, who are we about? Jesus, right? Mercy answer to most of my questions, okay? All right. We'll stay that way this week as we talk about uh, our mission like we did last week. This week we're going to start with the vision statement. We read it every week. We read it this week. We're going to talk about the first part of that. Next week we'll finish that up. And then the fourth week we will talk about our, our verse, this Livingstone's verse from 1 Peter verse chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. But the purpose of that is to, is to be up front to ask you guys do you want to participate do you want to participate and be a part of living stones do you want to be a part of what God is doing here in and through us and maybe you've been with us for a while and it's, it's making that statement again making that commitment again maybe you're new maybe you've been coming for several weeks and you're like so what are they about who are they about and do I want to be a part of this? Do I want to be a part of this body? And so I'm asking, as I asked last week, are you willing to bind yourself with us? And yes, as I said last week, that's a serious word. It sounds serious, it is serious, because we're talking about connecting ourselves together in a way that's not easy to take apart but we're connecting ourselves together living out this kingdom culture that we've been studying the last few months in the Sermon on the Mount and that we would do that together that we would do that in connection we do that bound together as we bring about the kingdom of God it's serious and I want you guys to think through that but you need to know what you're getting into. You need to know who we are and what we're about. Last week we started with a mission. That's our purpose. Why do we exist? Why, what is it that we're here doing? And we went to Matthew 28 and we talked about, in summary, we talked about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the mission that Jesus gave His disciples. It's the mission that He gives us. This is what we're to be about. And so let me review that. Nidhi and I will read this together, the mission statement from last week. It's bound together through and for the gospel. We are a diverse people who collectively seek to fully proclaim by word and deed the supremacy and worth of Jesus Christ by being and making His disciples. Alright, so I know that's a lot of words. And that's why it took me a long time last week to explain it. But I want to give you just a picture this week, an easier way to remember that. And so I want to walk through it just briefly and summarize piece by piece with some pictures, alright, to help you. Some pictures to help put this away in your mind. So first of all, we're bound together. Okay? Those are big, thick chains. Okay? They're, they're not coming loose. They're not, they're not going to come apart. And that's how we're, we're to bind ourselves together. We're to tie ourselves together in Christ 
as we live together and walk together, that we're together. All right. The next thing is, it's bound through Christ, through the gospel, and for the gospel. It's the gospel, it's Jesus Christ that gives us our identity. And it's the gospel that gives us what we're doing. It gives us what we're going to participate, our purpose. So we're this people that are bound together through the gospel. We're a diverse group of people. God hasn't brought us together as individuals. He's brought us together as a people. We're the church. And this idea of discipleship, the discipleship is going to happen and discipleship is going to occur in and through the church. That that's the mission of the church is to make disciples. And so as we're together, bound together through the gospel, for the gospel, we're going to fully proclaim at the top by word, at the bottom by deed. With our entire lives, with everything we say, with everything we do, we're going to proclaim Jesus Christ. And what are we proclaiming? We're proclaiming His supremacy. Jesus is number one. All right? It's not one, two, three. It's Jesus is up here. Everything else is in order down here. Okay? Jesus is the priority. He's supreme. He's number one. And all of that is by being and making disciples. If you guys recognize that, that's from the cover of Multiply. How we're connected together, how we multiply out, how we're disciples who make disciples. And so hopefully that gives you a visual to go with this idea, with our mission statement. As you think through those, those images and you think through what Jesus has called us to, what purpose He's given us. And as I said last week, it requires us to be all in. It requires us to be committed and dedicated to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And then it calls us to be committed and dedicated to following Jesus together. If you're all in, then we're all in together. There's no, there's no distinction. There's no separateness of being all in. We're all in together doing this. And so if you want to be a part of Living Stones, if you want to be a part of what Jesus is doing here, it's going to be about being and making disciples of Jesus. That's our mission. That's our purpose. So if that's who we are and what we're about, what's that going to look like? What's it going to look like? How is that going to be for us as we are on this mission together? And so that's where it comes to the vision statement. It answers that question. It gives us a picture. It gives us an explanation of what Living Stones is and what will be. Okay? That's what a vision, that's what this idea is, is what we are and what we want to be. And so let me read this. You guys have heard it, but let's read it again. Because this is what we're going to be talking about as we move forward today and next week. But this is our vision statement. We are reconciled and reconciling multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-class, gospel-centered community. And you might say, well, that sounds great, Brett. But isn't even this idea like a vision? 
Is that uh, that's a Western idea, or that's a corporate idea? You know, this corporation needs this vision about what we're going to be. And I would tell you that the word vision may be Western or corporate, okay? but this idea of who we are and what we're going to be, I would tell you that's biblical. This this, this idea, this principle of vision, it's biblical. Because we are a work in progress. What you were is not what you are. And what you are is not what you're going to be. Right? We together, as we make, as we are disciples and as we make disciples, Jesus is going to change us. We're in process. As we do that together, we as a body, we as a church, we're in process. We're not going to be the same later as we are today. God is changing us. Jesus is moving amongst us. He makes us different. And so this understanding of this vision, this, is, this idea as we see throughout Scripture, it's sanctification. And that's just the biblical word meaning God is changing us to make us more and more and more like Jesus Christ. A little more, a little more, a little more. More and more like Jesus Christ. We're in process. You're in process. We're all in process. And I would tell you that God's story, what He's doing in the world, it's in process. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet in its fullness. It's not in its completeness. Right? It's not now what it's going to be later. It's not now what it's going to be when there's a new heaven and a new earth and when Jesus Christ returns. But His kingdom is here. It's here. This is what we are and we're bringing forth that kingdom. But it's not in its completeness. And so let me share with you because God, I believe, gives us a vision. His vision statement. What it is we're going to become. What one day we fully will be. So let me read from Revelation. Chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. It says, After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the vision of what we're going to be and what we're becoming. That's where we're headed. That's the future state. That's what it's going to look like when we're before the King, when we're before the Lamb. That's the picture that Christ gives. We're in process. And so we as well are seeking that vision. We as well are seeking to fulfill God's vision, His kingdom, that it would come in its fullness. And that's where our statement starts. Today we're just going to focus on the first two words, or the first three. Reconciled and reconciling. What does that mean? What are we talking about? Before we get to all those other multi, multi, multi. What does it mean to be reconciled and reconciling? It's all about relationships. Reconciled and reconciling is all about relationships. It's about relationships and the process of those relationships going from brokenness to wholeness. 
from these relationships being broken to these relationships being complete and being whole. Because reconciliation is to restore these relationships to being right. If these relationships are broken, reconciliation makes them right again. It's to bring back goodness. It's to bring back peacefulness. It's to bring back a just relationship between two people or between two groups. That those relationships would be healed. And when you think about this, if reconciliation is a restoring back to what's right, then it indicates that it was once right. Our relationships were all once right. Or else they wouldn't be restoring. Wouldn't be reconciling. They were right. They were good. They were peaceful. They were just. All of our relationships. And now they're all broken. And this reconciliation is taking us back to, restoring us back to that place, back to that state. And so that brokenness is an opportunity for restoration. All of our relationships and the brokenness in our relationships, it's an opportunity for restoration. Think about your muscles. If you go and you do something, you exert yourself in a way with an activity that you don't normally do. You're sore in all these new spots and all these new places that you've never hurt before. And you're very aware of it. You're very aware, aware that actually what's happened inside is that those muscles have broken apart. The fibers, the tissue inside, they've torn. And it hurts. And you're aware of it. And you want it to be healed. You want it to be fixed. But if you do that over and over again, you notice that pain less and less. We don't recognize our need for our relationships to be restored. We don't realize that they were right at one time. We don't know anything differently. We, this, this is how it's always been. This is what it's always felt like. I've always been in this place where my relationship with God, my relationship with others, my relationship with myself, my relationship with creation, they're all broken. That's all I know. That's all I've experienced. It doesn't feel like it's off. It doesn't feel like anything's wrong. But I don't know. I've never experienced wholeness. And there's a word or a, a term for this with our bodies. It's called sensory adaptation. What we feel, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, all of our senses and how we, how we take in information. We start to adapt to that information. Let me explain. I was walking Friday night family night we went to the mall to get churros and we walked through Macy's and as we walked through Macy's my wife has trained my girls to stop by the tester counter right where you can go by and there's an entire selection of all these expensive perfumes and you can take those perfumes and you can use one it's a tester try it out see how it smells and they begin to spray it. And it stinks. 
Like it's like, oh, so bad. It's so much. And Rodan's asked me, where are the men's fragrances? I want to try one. I'm like, well, that's downstairs. We'll go, we'll go back out through the downstairs. But right immediately I smell it. It's like, oh, it's so strong. It's so much. It's coming in. And then by the time we get out into the mall, actually I take a few breaths and what's happening is all these receptors inside my brain, they, they just shut off. That smell's not going to hurt you. Don't need to worry about it. And it just starts to smell normal, right? I don't even notice it anymore unless I get right up on them and smell where they sprayed it. The smell just fades. And I want you guys to see a commercial that's going to convince you of this. Okay? This happens to us all of the time. She no longer smells it. Yep, she's gone nose blind. We staged an intervention to help her sister break the news. This is exactly what you have smelled. <laughs> yes. Oh, you are tripping. Fabrice Fabric Refresher eliminates pet odors you've gone nose blind to. Smells good. One of the many ways Fabrice helps you and your guests. Breathe happy. All right. So the point is <laughs> that we were talking about is that we've got so used, we're so used to our broken relationships, we don't even notice it. That we need this buzzer to go up, right? Your relationship blind. You don't get it. You don't even recognize it anymore. You don't realize that everything is broken, that all of your relationships are broken. And you need someone to come in, someone that loves you, and someone to be able to show you and tell you and demonstrate to you your issue. Do you realize? This is the reality. Do you realize that all of your relationships are broken? Just like she didn't realize that her house stunk like cats. She's like, really? You're tripping. Nah. And somebody tells your relationships, they're broken. No, 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 no. My life, my relationships, they're good. And we need to see the reality that they're not. They're broken. And so are you willing to consider right now the reality of your relationships? The reality of, are they broken or are they restored? What's the situation? How am I right now? And I want to show you that from God's story. Because as I said, creation began with right relationships. The relationships were good. I'm going to read a chunk of a passage from Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28. Nidia and I will read this together. It's on the screen, so please follow along. Relationships began right. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, 
and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. These relationships, they were good. We see from the beginning of verse 26, right? God says, let us make man in our image. There's an us there. It's plural. It's the, it's the Father. It's the Son. It's the Holy Spirit. That God has been in that relationship for all of eternity. He understands relationships and He understands when they're right. And He says, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. As you look at that in verse 27, he explains that. They created them in his own image. He says, I'm going to create you where not only are you capable of relationships, but I'm going to create you in a way where you actually need and you thrive from relationships. I'm creating you to be in relationships. And then in verse 28, those relationships are expanded to all the creation. He says, this is how you're going to interact. These are the relationships you're going to have with the creation. And he says to them, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply, right? There are more and more individuals, more and more people are going to come from this. And there's going to be more and more relationships. And as they interact with creation, they're going to create this culture of all these relationships, of all these individuals, of all the creation that interacts with each other, that relates with each other. It's just relationships and more relationships and more relationships. God says, let's make them in our image capable of relationships and needing relationships and then let's expand those relationships. Okay? That's what's occurring here. And these relationships were good. They were in the garden. This was paradise. All these relationships were right. And all those relationships existed before what? Before the fall. Before sin. Let me explain the four relationships. There was a vertical relationship with God. Right? It said they would walk with God in the garden. They had a relationship they had knowledge of. They knew Him. There was a vertical relationship. And then there was Adam there was Eve. There was a horizontal relationship with each other. So not only did they have this right relationship with God, but they had this right relationship with each other. And then as they walked, they also, you could say they had an internal relationship. Are, are things right with me? Are things right internally? And they had a right relationship internally. How they identified themselves. How they saw themselves. And then the last was an external relationship. They had relationship with the creation. It's right here. You can see that. They were interacting with They had dominion over it. It was, it was fruitful. They were working with the creation. There were these good relationships. So there was a vertical relationship with God. There was horizontal relationships with each other. There was this internal relationship with themselves and an external relationship with the creation. Everything was good. All those relationships were right. But then the fall. Then sinners, sin enters in. And because of sin, all these relationships were broken. All these relationships that were right were broken. And so I want to read from Genesis 3 now. Okay, This is right after sin, right after the fall. 
And then this is the response. This is like the actual, the initial result of the fall. Okay, this is the initial result of sin. And I want to show you how it demonstrates that those relationships become broken. Verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. The eyes of both were open, and they said, I'm not right, I'm naked. And then they, they sew these loincloths because this relationship between us, so I know I'm not right, then I need to protect myself, I need to hide myself from this woman or this man that's with me. So internally I'm broken, and now horizontally they start to experience the brokenness of this relationship. Now verse 8 through 10. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Verse 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. They heard the sound of God. They heard His presence. And because they had realized and these relationships are now broken, they hid themselves. They removed themselves. They separated themselves from God. This is not right. This relationship is broken. And now it's been broken vertically with God as well. And they hide themselves from Him. Verse 11. He said... God, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Verse 12, the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. If you're married, if you've walked with another individual and tied yourself with them, you understand this makes perfect sense. I said, what? He comes to the man and says, so what happened? What did you do? He says, uh, the woman, that woman that you gave me. So he blames God and he says, it's her fault, your fault, and her fault. It's not my fault. I, you gave her to me and I just did what she told me to do. And then he says to the woman, so what? what? And the woman says, uh, the, the serpent, the serpent. All right? Everybody's pointing away from themselves, right? All of these relationships, this horizontal relationship is completely broken. There's this blame, going back and forth with each other. Again, the horizontal, and we also see there with the external, those relationships are broken. So that's, that's the initial result. Like they're experiencing this and God hasn't even spoken to it yet. But that's what they're experiencing. And now, God says, here's the initial consequence. God responds. And He tells them, this is, that was the result. That was natural. And this, all this that you're feeling. And now let me tell you the consequence that comes along with that. So now into verse 14 through 19. You guys are following along? Everybody with me? All right. I'll read 14 through 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, 
Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Do you guys see the brokenness? Do we see the brokenness? The enmity, this opposition. They're going to go against each other. This is going to be ongoing. This is going to continue on. Between all of humanity, between all of her offspring, and between the serpent, between the evil one. Verse 16. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Again, we see more horizontal consequences. We see these internal consequences. You're going to desire for this. He's going to rule over you. There's going to be this distance, this brokenness between the two of you. That's what you're going to experience. And then verse 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you were dust, and to dust you shall return. There's going to be strife. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty with all these relationships. With everything that they experience. What I want this to represent are those four different types of relationships. This in the white, this is our vertical relationship. This is our relationship with God. Over in the other corner, the red one, that's our horizontal relationship. That's our relationship with each other. This in the blue, that's our internal relationship, our relationship with ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we interact with ourselves. And then in the green, the creation, all created things. What are our relationship? What's our relationship like with the creation? And what happened when sin entered in? Is all of these relationships that were complete and that were together were broken apart? And then not only were these relationships broken apart, but then sin continues. Sin goes on. Well, I didn't try this before. Hold on. Wait a minute. Sin breaks you apart a lot easier than this. Okay. And it breaks it apart again. Okay. It breaks it into pieces. Again. And again. And again. 
what once was whole, what once was together, it's in pieces. All of our relationships, this is what they look like. This is what's happened because of sin. It was whole, it was complete, it was woven together. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with the creation, and now it's in pieces. Because of sin, this is what's happened. And so I want to show you, while I'm preaching, Sylvia is going to put these back together again. All right? And you have to promise not to watch her, not to look at her. But she's going to put them back together. Because if you see what happens next, after the result of the sin, the, the consequence of the sin, everything's torn apart, everything's in pieces. And, and it's not these nice cuts, right? They're jagged edges there. It's not just going to smoothly go back together. But look what happens in verse 21, or 20 and 21, right after all of these consequences. God initiates right then, the next verse. He initiates this restoration. You've messed all this up. You've broken everything. But look at verse 20 and 21. He says, The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. You might say, what? He's restoring these relationships? And I would say, yes, this is the beginning of the rest of the story. God begins to restore. God begins to make whole what's been broken apart. And we'll see that this is what he does throughout his story for the rest of his story. He begins to restore and reconcile and reconciling those relationships. You say, well, how is he doing that here? Well, first he's vertically. With their relationship vertically. It says, uh, God, in verse 21, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife. God says, I'm going to enter in and I'm going to engage with you. And I'm going to meet a need that you have. God starts to demonstrate and show them grace. And they went from this place of fear and guilt and hostility and broken away from God and now God actually starts to approach them. They didn't go after God, right? They were in this place and God came to them. And He says, let me meet your need. And they start to move towards comfort, towards acceptance, towards an intimacy with God. They move from being broken apart from Him and now are moving towards being right children of God, being in this right relationship with Him. And then internally, they went from having shame and emptiness. Let me cover you. Let me give you dignity. Let me give you worth. Remember, you are made in my image. You're made in my image, right? You have inherent dignity and worth, and I want to bring that, I want to restore that back to you. And then for each other. Now they can interact again. Now they can be husband and wife again. He starts to repair that. He starts to repair this relationship. They move from blaming each other from trying to take care of just themselves to loving each other. 
more and more and more. I'm going to sacrifice for you, you before me. They start to move into that relationship. And then externally, he takes actually the creation and he, he takes his creation and it says in verse 21, from garments of skin, right? From, from, these are from the creation. He takes the creation and he meets this need that Adam and Eve had. He starts to restore that relationship. It's, this creation starts to become useful. From difficulty and futility, he begins to move towards cooperation and fruitfulness to one day a new heaven and a new earth. It starts here, verse 20 and 21. That's where God starts to restore. He initiates it. But for these relationships, as I've said, who is it that acts? Who is it that acts first? Was it Adam? Was it Eve? It was God Himself. And He says, I'm going to bring about this restoration. I'm going to bring you to a place of reconciliation. And we know that ultimately, it's all about the person, it's all about the work of Jesus Christ. He says, ultimately, I'm beginning this restoration you now, and I'm going to bring it to its completeness. I'm going to bring it to its fullness. And that's going to happen through Jesus Christ, through the gospel, through the person, through the work of Jesus. I'm going to restore these relationships, and I'm going to bring them to this place where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and everything is going to be made right. All of those relationships are going to be restored. But it all comes and all happens through God's initiative and ultimately through Jesus Christ. And so I want to show you that. Colossians 1, 19-20. Remember we're talking about reconciled and reconciling, right? This is what happened. This is where we were reconciled and then now we're being reconciled. Colossians 1, 19-20. This is talking about Jesus. It says, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, through Jesus, to reconcile to Himself a few things. All things. Alright? It says, Through Him, through Jesus, to reconcile to Himself all things whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of His cross. All things. All relationships. He says, I'm going to reconcile them. And I'm doing it through my Son, through Jesus Christ, and through this work, what He's going to do on the cross. That was Jesus' ministry. And that was His message. He's bringing about the ultimate restoration of all things. Whether vertical, whether horizontal, whether internal, whether external, all those relationships, He's bringing about reconciliation. But we, we like to compartmentalize. We like to separate out well, he's not going to really do all those things. I mean, you know, Jesus is just about, I mean, he's about saving souls. That's, I mean, he's going to make this vertical relationship right. And absolutely, 100%, Jesus is about making our vertical relationships right. But then we say, but if we go much further than that, it's going to start to get messy. That's going to start to get, I just don't know, that's going to be complicated. How? That's, let's just stick with Jesus. He's going to make us right with God. 
And so we stick to that. And sometimes we think, well, maybe you know, he'll make us right with each other. He'll make us right with ourselves. And if we ever get around to it, we'll think about the creation and what that looks like, because that's way out there. How is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? What does that look like now? So let's just compartmentalize. Let's just ignore that. And I'll tell you, that's not what I see here. That's not what I see in the scriptures. It says he came to reconcile all things. All things. All those relationships. They're being they're reconciled and being reconciled. All of those relationships. And I will tell you that here, Jesus, he thinks like a woman. Say what? Yeah. Jesus, in this example, he's thinking like a woman. You say, what are you talking about? And I'm going to share with you some amazing wisdom. Okay, I've shared it before. For those of you who are new, like this, this is going to knock your socks off. Okay, because men, you look at this next slide, men, okay, in general, we're like waffles. We like to separate. We like to draw lines. Right? This compartment, that compartment. Like, and, and when you pour the syrup on there, you can pour it in such a way that it just fills up one compartment. Right? And it doesn't like spill over and, and your, your waffle doesn't get soggy and messy. Like you can eat one little piece at a time. It's nice. Clean. That's how we think. That's how men think. Straightforward in one direction. Makes sense to me, men? Makes sense to you? Sounds good, right? Women, they're like this pile of spaghetti. Do you see that every noodle is covered, it's got sauce on it, okay? The sauce has made its way throughout every noodle. It's touching every noodle. And if you go and you try and talk about one thing with a woman, and you take one noodle and you try and pull it out, all the noodles start to move, right? It touches all these other issues, all these other thoughts. And I, I just wanted to talk about this one thing, and now we're talking about all these other things. I just wanted to talk about the one noodle, right? I wanted to keep it separate. And men, you know that doesn't work, these conversations, right? And I would tell you that Jesus and His story, all these things are together. His reconciliation, His restoring of our relationships, it impacts and it's all over everything. And He is doing it everywhere. He doesn't go one compartment by one compartment by one compartment. He doesn't stick in one place. He says, I want to restore all of your relationships with me, with yourself, with each other, with the creation. So do we compartmentalize? Do we separate what God has not separated when we think about being reconciled and reconciling? Because this, out of that mess, what God ultimately wants to do. Every piece is put back together. We're restored. That's the gospel. That's what happens. Like The gospel is what brings us and puts us back together and restores our relationship with God, right? With each other. 
within ourselves and with the creation. This is what it's going to look like. This is that what I read you there from Revelation 7. It's going to look like this. It's going to be put back together. And God is going to be worshipped. And the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is going to be lifted high. And He's going to make all things new. He's going to restore us. We're going to be reconciled. We're going to be back in a right relationships in every area. Everybody with me? That's pretty cool. That's why every week we say reconciled and reconciling. This is what God is doing. This is His work. This is what He's about. Right? That's His ministry. That's His message. He was all about reconciliation. And you might think, well, that's all about Him. Isn't that enough? Are we actually supposed to be about that too? As I close, let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. This was his message. This was his ministry. It's what he proclaimed. It's what he did. And I will show you here, this is what we're to proclaim and this is what we're to do. We're to be reconciled and we're to be reconciling. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. But we don't stop there. right? That's verse 17. There's verse 18 that comes right behind it. And we continue and we see that all this is from God. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and He gave us... He reconciled us to Himself and He gave us this ministry of reconciliation. And if you didn't get it from verse 18, He's going to explain it more in verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world, okay, the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and again, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. If we are in Christ, we have been reconciled. That's who we are. As we talked about last week, we acknowledge our brokenness. I am broken. I realize my state. I need to be repaired. And the only person that can repair you is Jesus Christ. You cannot do that yourself. And then in Him, you become a new creation. I'm reconciled. But then I'm also, if I'm in Christ, I am reconciling. It's through Jesus Christ we proclaim His message. Right? That's the word that we speak, this message of reconciliation. And it's through Jesus Christ, it's what we do. It's our ministry too. That's our deed. We proclaim, right? And we, we proclaim by what we say and by what we do. Right? The supremacy and the worth of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. He's done this for us. I'm, I'm reconciled with Him and now I am reconciling. Right? I proclaim Him and I'm about what He did and what He's doing. And so I hope that you guys see the connection. Right? This, is, this is not random stuff. It's important things that we should be considering. And if you're part of and you want to be a part of Living Stones, that you would know these things. And understand, if you're going to bind yourself with us, this is what we're going to be about. If you're going to bind yourself with us, this is who we are and this is who we're becoming. And it starts with being reconciled and then reconciling. We are in 
process. Estamos en proceso. What we hope to be lo que esperamos ser, and what we are becoming. Y lo que estamos haciendo, lo que vamos a hacer. That's what this statement describes. Es lo que está explicando esta visión. So let me read it again lo que vamos a leer as we close. Para terminar. A reconciled and reconciling multi-ethnic, multi-class, multilingual, gospel-centered community.